Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. Uh, your description of uh, the clinical label of narcissist, they only think about themselves, they only want what they want. That was accurate, but they're not the only people who do that. They have every fear-based part of your personality feels exactly the same way. So the big questions are these. How can we navigate and negotiate every situation in our lives, in our career, in our businesses, in our relationships, and even with ourselves for our own self-worth? In other words, what if you could win every time and have no losers? Let's face it, we're not negotiating just to buy a car or for a pay raise. We are negotiating for living in every aspect of our lives. How can we do that powerfully, successfully, and victoriously? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Rebecca Zung, and welcome to the time where you negotiate your best life. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung, and it is my thrill, privilege, honor, and with deep gratitude that I get to introduce Gary Zukoff today as my guest. He is the author of four consecutive New York Times bestsellers, including the legendary number one New York Times bestseller, Seat of the Soul, which is a book that I've been reading annually for more than two decades. Uh, it, it has paved the way for millions of people uh, to change their lives. He, I mean, on and on and on, but he is the new, he, the newest book is coming out on June 22nd. It's called Universal Human. And we're going to be talking about that today. He graduated from Harvard. He was a Green Beret. He's been on the Oprah Winfrey show more than 30 times. And uh, it, I'm so thrilled to welcome you Thank you, Gary, for being here. It's a joy. Thank you. Thank you for this invitation, Rebecca. Thank you. And so your new book is Universal Human, and the topic of this episode is Becoming a Universal Human. And, you know, it seems like such a, a, a nebulous, like, how would anyone do that? I mean, I'm just a regular person. How could I become a person of the universe? And it almost seems like a saint or something, right? But you came from a place that was not the greatest. I mean, as far as feeling like an evolved joyful human being right i mean you were in a place where well, it, seemed, it, it seemed like the greatest to me at the time i felt i liked where i was when i was say living in san francisco in my 30s i really enjoyed it i had no idea i knew that i was angry but i had no idea how much pain i was in and that's uh that's very that, that's closely related to the addiction to the sex to sex that i had and i uh so it, it wasn't as though I was saying to myself, oh, I'm in a bad place. I liked it. I liked my apartment. I liked where I was on Telegraph Hill. I liked the people around me. And I was enjoying my motorcycle and women and drugs. And I thought this was a good life. But it wasn't an aware life. And it wasn't going anywhere except where I already was. And in other words, if I hadn't done anything to change myself, I'd still be there still be there this much later 
at the same coffee shop, talking with the same people who reflected who I was at that time. And I was, I felt superior, judgmental. Um, I was intellectual. And all of the people I was drawn to were that way also. And I've discovered that that's the way the law of attraction works. Energy attracts like energy. Now, uh, I'm more loving, and I'm attracting more loving people into my life than people who were cynical and uh, superior and uh, derogatory to others. Yeah, and it is just a law of physics in a lot of ways. I mean, we are beings of energy. I mean, this is something you talk a lot about in in all of your books, but... You know, I, I've read everything you've written, including the dance, Dancing Wooly Masters, which is a, all about quantum physics and quantum mechanics, which is super fascinating. If if any of you are out there listening and want to know, like, the science behind the law of attraction, like, it's not just woo-woo stuff. I mean, we are beings of energy. That's what we are made up of. And if you don't believe that you're attracting exactly what you are vibrating, then you are totally missing the boat. Would you, would you agree with that? Sort of. You know, you're not missing the boat. You're always in the boat. The question is, what boat are you going to be in? Uh, are you going to be in a boat of superior uh, people who feel entitled, who are intellectual, who don't really relate to other people, who are disdainful? That's one boat. Uh, I've sailed in that a while. <laughs> yeah, you, that's the disconnected boat. It's the disconnected boat. It's not the only one, but it is disconnected. I mean, there's lots of disconnected boats. Anger, jealousy, resentment, uh, vengefulness, any addiction or obsession or compulsion. But there's other boats entirely. Uh, there's boats uh, that are uh, grateful. When you're in it, you're, you're grateful for the world. You're grateful for the people around you. Not for what they can do for you, but you're just grateful to be alive. Another boat that feels good is patience. No one can make you run out of patience because you're in a place in your life where a frightened part of your personality, put it that way, doesn't want to get on to something else. You're where you need it to be. You're with the person you need to be. And that person may be challenging for you to be with in the moment. But there'll be a lesson about yourself in that. So I like being in the gratitude boat, the appreciation boat, the content boat, all of those. And instead of boat, let's use the term part of your personality. So some boats are painful to be in and they always sail to destructive destinations. It's called that those parts of your personality, fear-based. And there's another fleet, and I mentioned them too. Gratitude, appreciation, caring, awe of the universe, contentment, contentment. And they're sailing to different destinations. Those destinations feel good when you get there. They feel blissful. They're constructive. So we're here talking on your podcast because... In my experience, we are in a new domain of consciousness. We are human consciousness itself is changing. And it's changing in hundreds of millions of people. There's a lot of people it's not changing in. 
but they're not superior to the people or inferior to the people in whom consciousness, the new consciousness is emerging. Everyone will be touched by the new consciousness within a few generations. But right now, we're in a, uh, see how to put it, we're, we're standing with one foot in one world and one foot in another. The old world is the old consciousness. And the new world is the new consciousness. The old world calls to you. Whenever you feel angry, frustrated, jealous, resentful, then, uh, and you feel that the way out of that is to change the world, then you're in the old consciousness. If you're in the new consciousness, you're looking at yourself differently. Maybe you're looking at yourself as more than a mind and a body. That's an experience of the new consciousness. Let's call it multi-sensory consciousness. Because before, in the old consciousness, we had the five senses. But that's only one sensory system. And its object of detection is physical reality. Now, we're getting another sensory system. We're multi-sensory. We see ourselves as bodies and minds and an immortal component. A part of ourselves that existed before we were born and that will exist before we die. There could be a sense of it. You don't have to see that or communicate. But if you just sense, I'm more than a, I'm more than neurotransmitters and hormones. I know I am. I know that there's more to my roots than my family and this life. I know it. Those are multisensory perceptions. So when it comes to boats or parts of personalities. This is very germane to our discussion. I wrote a book, a new book, that you've talked about, The universe, Universal Human. And I wrote it to show, in practical terms, how you can experiment with your life and what you can do when your life is filled with pain. You encounter a lot of people in your life, in your practice, because your practice is oriented toward people who are experiencing others who are in frightened parts of their personalities. In other words, they don't like what's going on in the external world and they want to change it and they're coming to you to help them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're watching my YouTube channel, buying my programs on negotiation because of, of, of the pain that they're in in dealing with what they perceive to be a toxic personality, which I would describe to you is that narcissistic type of person, that person who's only thinking of themselves. But, you know, I always say that narcissists are really just um, people who are the most frightened, the most insecure, the most fear-based people uh, on the planet and that's why they act out because they're in so much pain and they want to they're desperate for ways to try to control their surroundings and but one of the things that came up can I can, can I can I ask if you'd be willing to look at part of that uh, from a new angle yes please uh, your description of uh, the clinical label of narcissists they only think about themselves they only want what they want that was accurate but they're not the only people who do that. They have every fear-based part of your personality feels exactly the same way. It's interested in number one. It interested, it's interested in what it can get. 
and it doesn't want to give very much for that. It's righteous, it's right, it doesn't matter. It's whether it's a religious fundamentalism, an ideological fundamentalism, a new age fundamentalism. You know, Swami Beyondananda, who was a comedian, used to say, fundamentalism is putting the fun before the mental for him. <laughs> well, religious right. fundamentalists don't have any fun. It's all righteousness and right. Yes. And the people, every frightened part of your personality, because I have frightened parts of mine and you have frightened parts of yours. Everybody does. And I wrote The Universal Human to introduce you to some of them in a way that allows you to grow spiritually by becoming aware of them and deciding whether you're going to challenge them and move beyond their control or whether you're going to cultivate them and go to places, you might call it, that the love boats go <laughs> instead of places that the fear boats go. So now we come to intention. And intention is a quality of consciousness. Yes, I love, love. Okay, so I, I, we just did a live and I wanted to make sure I put this in um, the podcast as well. So you guys on the podcast can't see, but I have my original copy of The Seed of the Soul here, which is probably 25 years old at least. Um, and I have many parts highlighted because I read this book at least once a year. But there's a, a paragraph that I want to read because I want Gary to talk about some things in this paragraph because I think it's such the essence of what he talks about. Your intentions create the reality that you experience. Until you become aware of this, it happens unconsciously. Therefore, be mindful of what you project. That is the first step toward authentic power. So good. So good. Now, it is so good, but you have to do it. If you want to change yourself, you need to do it. So that means asking yourself before you speak, before you act, before I go to talk to Rebecca about this person that seems to be causing me a lot of problems, what is my intention? And get to the bedrock intention. Uh, sometimes, well, five sensory people think, individuals, that there's only oh, there's boundless intentions. Go to Europe. Uh, get another job. Uh, have dreadlocks that come down to my waist. Uh, shop at Neiman's or show off what I found at a thrift shop. Everyone has frightened parts of personalities. All of them are concerned with themselves, not just people that we call narcissists. You have a part of your personality, many of them, that are only concerned with what you want. Do you ever get impatient? Of, of course. course. Everybody gets impatient. Well, impatience is only putting what you want in front of what other people want. And if you think that might not be true, as soon as you get what you want, doesn't your impatience disappear? Mm -hmm. Don't you then have all the patience that you need with yeah. other people? Yeah. So I wrote this book, Universal Human, because it's a practical book about how it can help you to look at your life from the perspective of the new consciousness that is now touching hundreds of millions of people. And you can see in what ways 
it's touching you. And I suspect that it is if you're listening to these words and you haven't turned it off by now. And the reason I suspect that is that five sensory humans don't have any experiential anchors, any place they can hook on to make sense of what we're saying. But a multi-sensory individual will listen to some of this and they'll say, hmm. And by the way, there's different, kind, there's different ways of resonating, two different ways of resonating. You can resonate with something like I just modeled. You can say, wow, that's, I, I feel that. That has to do with me. Or you can push it away. When that happens, you resonated. But what you resonated with activated frightened parts of your personality. And they became active and you didn't want any part of it. For example, I had a friend who decided that he didn't want to be a physicist anymore. And his wife did not like the idea. It was very difficult for him, but it was impossible for her. She said, look, this is a wonderful income. You have prestige. I won't be able to go to the faculty club. These things, I don't want you to change your life. And he did because he resonated with an idea that came to him that he wanted to be something else, and he became it. As you become multisensory, intuition becomes important to you, and also distinguishing the difference between intuition and fear. But all of these things are covered in universal human, mm-hmm. including why our social structures are disintegrating, and they all are, and they have no salvage value. They can't be fixed because they're not broken. They're obsolete. They're built on an obsolete understanding of power which is the ability to manipulate and to control. And new social structures are emerging, like grass growing through the sidewalk. The sidewalks are the old social structures, and they're going to crack apart and collapse. They are doing that now. And the new social structures will emerge from an authentically powerful human species. Right now, it won't do any good to remain an authentically powerful, externally externally powerful human species. It won't do you any good. That means you won't be able to change things you don't like about yourself or you want to change by continuing to pursue external power, manipulate and control the external world. One of the biggest changes besides multi-sensory perception and its huge differences from five-sensory perception is the transformation in our understanding and experience of power from the ability to manipulate and control into the ability to align your personality with those parts of yourself that want harmony. Coming up, more on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zahn. What you're saying uh, is, is an accurate discernment. You see people and they appear to be growing apart. What is causing that? I can explain a basic situation. When it comes to the safety of a child in a divorce case involving alcohol abuse, there is no compromise. Take back power, strength, and truth from the narcissist in your life with documented proof of sobriety. Silverlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking when a child's safety is at risk. 
Soberlink's real-time alerts make it easy to negotiate with any party. Judges can rest assured that the child is safe. Attorneys get court admissible evidence of sobriety. And both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Get an exclusive $50 off your device by emailing info at soberlink.com and mentioning Negotiate Your Best Life podcast. Are you struggling with how to negotiate and win? Maybe you're dealing with a personality that's particularly challenging, like a narcissist or other high conflict personality, and you're feeling powerless. Make sure to download my free Win My Negotiation cheat sheet at www.winmynegotiation.com. Take a listen to our archive where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life. I got a, 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 a whole lot of money for not necessarily a whole lot of time. And so it completely changed my perspective of value and money and time and um, that set me off onto a a trajectory that uh, has completely changed everything and now we return to today's show cooperation i want i want to bring that up because i think this is a good segue into how you talk about shifting your perception of courage in the book um, Universal Human, which I want to mention. Everybody go to Universal Human and get it. Um, Universalhuman.com. Dot com, yes. Dot com, yeah. Yes. Um, it, it, so you talk about courage and you you you, you tell a real, very riveting story about you, you when you were Green Beret and in Vietnam and seeking that, you know, running into... Uh, things that most people would be afraid of, and that to you defined courage, and and how you have shifted into the idea that courage now is when you're feeling anger coming up in you, to have the courage to um, face that and and actually meet that with love or, or something. And I, I'm, I feel like I'm butchering it. So I want you to explain it, but you know what I'm talking about. You're on exactly the right track, Rebecca. When anger comes up and I know about anger, I spent most of my life angry and I was, and I knew it, of course, I was even proud of it. I tell people, yeah, I'm angry. I've always been angry. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. What was the journey from there to now? It wasn't a matter of saying, I'm going to shift myself. It was a matter of becoming more aware of creating authentic power intentionally. Authentic power is distinguishing within yourself between love and fear and choosing love, no matter what's happening inside of you or what's happening outside of you. That's the only way you can change. And what you were talking about, courage, is exactly right. In this sense, when I was a five century and pursuing external power, I knew I had a lot of courage. I had the courage to become a paratrooper. I had the courage to become an infantryman. I had the courage to become a Green Beret. I had the courage to parachute at night with equipment. I had the courage to parachute out of, a hel- out of helicopters in a, a helicopter. In a, into the ocean. 
uh, outside of Okinawa, offshore. And those things did take courage, and a lot of it for me. But I have discovered since then that when my life partner, my spiritual partner, but all spiritual partners are not necessarily dyadic spiritual partners. It can be a family, it can be a sports team, it can be your neighborhood, it can be a class. But my spiritual partner, Linda Francis, and I have been together oh, for a while. I think it's 25 or 26 years. And those of you who uh, treasure relationships of substance and depth know that's difficult. And as you become multi-sensory, you begin to experience exactly how difficult it is because a spiritual partnership is a partnership between equals for the purpose of spiritual growth. And that means creating authentic power. And that means becoming aware of all your emotions. And that means the painful ones, like your difficult, painful, physical emotions. Like the ones that come from fear-based parts of your personality. And I have discovered that stopping a power struggle between Linda and me in myself takes more courage than anything I did in the military. And I really appreciate Linda as a spiritual partner because she's committed to creating authentic power too. That's the only way you can become a spiritual partner with someone or any, or any people, any individuals. Because you cannot commit to the relationship. You can, of course, but that's, that's not worth committing to because it's ephemeral. What is worth committing to that isn't ephemeral, that's real? Your spiritual growth. When you are with someone because you are committed to your spiritual growth and the other people or the other person is with you because they are committed to their spiritual growth and you are together to support one another, not to teach, but to support. And that's a spiritual partnership. Because no one can create authentic power for you and you can't create it for anyone else, but you can support one another. For example, not when we're in a power struggle because then she has to, she has to make her choices to stop that painful dynamic in her just the way I do. And that's, uh, that's where courage is required. To create an authentic power requires a great deal of courage. In fact, uh, we have a new website for you that you're going to be able to see in a month or so. It's the same address, seatofthesoul.com, after the book that you've just shown people, Rebecca. But it's an old site now, and I don't really recommend it to you, except for one thing. You can download the Authentic Power Guidelines there for free, and you'll be able to on the new website, which will be beautiful and supportive rather than so-so and informative. Everything Linda and I do now, we want to support you. We're in the final years of our life, and authentic power is not something that we've created. It's created us. This evolutionary transformation that I just described to you in brief is happening. It's happening, and it's happening fast. Our evolution has plotted slowly through millennia, through 300,000 years to where it is now. And suddenly, a new human consciousness is emerging with startling velocity. 
It's happening within a few human generations. That's faster than an eye blink from, the, from an evolutionary perspective. And we're in it, you and I and everyone here. We've got, we're in a time of transition and we're making choices continually. The old consciousness, power as control, as manipulation, relief from pain is changing the external world or the new consciousness. Mm. So I have a question for you. This is something that I've always sort of had a uh, hypothesis about myself. And that is that, you know, we are beings of energy and we are vibrating at whatever frequency we're vibrating at. And I believe that as we become more evolved on a spiritual level, we and the more you choose you know, love over fear, you start to vibrate at a higher level of frequency. And I believe that sometimes people tend to, you know, evolve out of our lives because they're no longer can be, you're not vibrating at the same level anymore. And so it's almost like radio waves can't coexist with light waves that certain humans, they just don't, they can't be in the same frequency. Um, no, that let's look at that. It certainly does. That's, what you're saying uh, is, is an accurate discernment. You see people and they appear to be growing apart. What is causing that? Well, I can explain a basic situation. <clears throat> and as you begin to create authentic power, you begin to change. Your values begin to change. Your goals begin to change. Um, and you begin to look for different people to be with. For example, we can talk about this at another time, but the new consciousness brings with it a new female and a new male. These are brand new archetypes, and they're different from the old male and the old female. The old male is fulfilled by providing and protecting the old female is fulfilled by bearing and raising children. The new female can do anything she wants. She's no longer restricted in any way. She's no longer confined by the roles that were previously reserved for the old male. She can be an airline pilot. She can be a construction worker. She can be a nanny. She can be the CEO of a corporation and she can be the president of the country. She's unstoppable. That's the, that's the new female. Love but it. it's also a female that looks for a different kind of partner. The old female looked for a partner that would protect her and provide for her children. The new female looks for someone to embark upon the difficult and challenging journey of spiritual growth. This is a different skill set, you might say. The old male looked for someone to raise his children and bear them. The new male is entirely different. You see the new male everywhere now, like you see the new female. The new male walks through airports with an infant on his shoulder patting it and burping it. The new male rolls carts, rolls a stroller 
with infants through grocery store aisles while he's shopping. The new male takes kids on play dates. The new male cares for the elderly and the ill and the fragile and the young. The new male is sensitive and intuitive. The new male redefines masculinity. So all of this is happening. It's part of your question. Why do people grow apart? As people become aware of themselves, as, let me put it this way, as you become aware of yourself, you also can become aware of your goals changing. And here's some of them, the people you're drawn to. Now, when you seek individuals that have your new emerging energy, the individuals, pardon me, that were with you have a different kind of energy. And they're going to start losing interest in you. They're going to say, you're not as interesting before. We used to be able to depend on you to really slam people when you didn't like them. We used to be able to depend on you to be jealous. We used to be able to depend on you to be a buddy. And no matter what I was doing, to say, that's okay, it'll get better. Instead of saying, you're causing this pain yourself. Why don't you take a look at what you're doing? That would shock them and push them away. Instead, yeah. as you become more aware, and you become aware of how difficult it is to create authentic power, which means experience fully all of your emotions, those that are fear-based and painful and those that are love-based and wonderful to experience, you will find yourself drawn to others and they will find others will find themselves drawn to you. And it'll happen naturally. It won't be, a, oh, well, I don't want to be your friend anymore. It's not like that at all. It's a natural, it's a natural unfolding. And, and it's the way that we grow. Now, if you don't grow, there's no um, judgment of that. The universe doesn't judge you. The universe doesn't say, you took the wrong path. No matter what path you take, there's learning in it. Mm -hmm. But there's some paths to wisdom are more direct and joyful, and some are not. So how do you want to learn wisdom in your life? Through fear and doubt or through love and trust? As you choose to explore avenues of love and trust, you draw to you other individuals. And it may seem that so you outgrown other people. You haven't. And they haven't outgrown you if you're on that side of that dynamic. You've simply changed. And the law of attraction will always show you the nature of the people, of the nature of yourself, of your own energy, because it's attracting people like you. When I was in San Francisco, I think I mentioned... I had a lot of people around me that were just like I was then. They felt superior. They talked about other people, but only in terms, in derogatory terms. They talked about other people's theories because we talked about physics a lot and how flawed other people's theories were. We disdained other people. We were the royalty. We were royalty, but only to ourselves. Now I could look around a coffee shop in North Beach and I could see people who were sipping coffee and 
reading the papers and they're talking about loving things and they're interested in other people, but they were virtually invisible to me then because I didn't care about them and I wasn't interested, interesting to them. So whatever path you take, you're going to learn. It's going to produce experiences. You, once you begin the quest for external, for, pardon me, authentic power, you can't forget the quest. It will find you again and again. Meaning will call to you in surprising places. Fulfillment will appear to you in very different ways. That's because you have a sacred contract with the universe. These are the gifts that your soul wants to give. And your soul has given you has chosen for itself because your incarnation into the earth school is voluntary. And yours, you have chosen as a soul. Your soul has chosen, put it this way, certain experiences or parts of your personality that will draw to you, that will create experiences that you need to encounter. This is not saying that anything about your life is predetermined. It is not. You are not burdened with a destiny but you are given potential at each moment. And as you choose certain pathways with the intention of love, with the consciousness, with the quality of consciousness that we're calling love, you create different consequences for yourself. You begin to mold, to shape your life like a sculptor shapes stone like an artist shapes images on canvas except you're shaping the greatest piece of art you're ever going to create that's your life and as you transform your life into one that is authentically powerful you become an individual who is able and does naturally move through the earth school with an empowered heart without attachment to the outcome Universal, oh human, Universal Human shows you how to do this and yes. where that leads. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I, I can't believe that we're out of time. I mean, I'm like, I feel like I could talk to you for hours. And um, for those of you listening, you know, I think it was like 15 years ago, at least, I flew to Chicago to meet Gary and, and Linda, who um, they, they were doing a small group. It was like outside of Chicago, actually. I was one of only like 20 people in your group. And um, I was so fortunate to get to talk to you for, or listen to you for hours then. I still feel that way now. Um, so all of you guys, you know, go to universalhuman.com grab the new book, follow Gary, uh, sign up for his authentic power checklist. I mean, I, it will change your life. It will change your life. I can't, I can't stress that enough. Um, much more than anything that I'm teaching you, by the way. <laughs> Rebecca, I, I, I'm really interested in hearing um, what the conversations are that you're having with your clients and with the people in your life based on how you're putting into practice what you have uh, encountered in the seat of the soul and now that you've encountered in a universal human. And as your friends and clients and family 
read Universal Human, if they're drawn to it, then uh, what that brings up in all of you. Because I, I, I want to say again, uh, I don't ask you or even expect you to take anything that I'm saying as true just because I'm saying it. Try it out. Experiment with it. Authentic power comes with a new consciousness, and the new consciousness is touching you. So don't just say it's this way. It's not. You've got to create authentic power. Multisensory perception is a gift. Hundreds of thousands of us are getting it, more than that. But a potential, the potential of authentic power is that. It's a potential. You have to create it. You have to create it with your courage, your commitment, your compassion, and your conscious communication and actions. Those are the authentic power guidelines and specifically what they mean. They're on our old website now and you can download them for free. They'll always be for free. And yes. of course, they'll be on the new website too. So thank you, Rebecca. It's, it's been a joy connecting with you again. And please, please keep in touch and, and uh, ask your clients and your friends or, or letting me know what these discussions that we're having uh, produces in their lives because they're in difficult positions. They're in pain. And the people they're in pain about are in intense pain. And these are all opportunities to grow spiritually. That's yes. when the path begins. Absolutely. All right. Well, this is why I call him a modern-day prophet, everyone. So go and follow him. Thank you. Thank you, Gary, so much. You're welcome, Rebecca. Thanks for stopping by and listening to this episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung. Check back next Monday for more inspirational pearls of wisdom. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, I'd love if you would give it a five-star rating and tell me what you liked in a review on iTunes. Also, be sure to grab your winning negotiation cheat sheet at winmynegotiation.com. And remember, today is a perfect day to start negotiating your best life. Thank you.